Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in. If you've ever got any value from the Teachers Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could just take a few minutes to share this episode or any of my other episodes with your teacher friends. The more that we grow the podcast, the more that we'll be able to offer you in terms of CPD content and amazing guests. I actually recorded this episode a few months ago before lockdown and now that we're thinking about some sort of return, I thought that it would be good to start thinking about leadership and what that should be in a school. I interviewed Katie Cox, head teacher at St Matthew's Catholic Primary School in Bradford. Katie has a different approach to leadership and it's much more collaborative as opposed to top down. And this is because when she started at the school, there were a lot of teachers who were actually new to teaching. So she had to have a plan for the future and she took the opportunity to do things a bit differently. The school also encourages graduates thinking about getting into teaching to join as TAs and Katie has a clear plan to make sure that they develop themselves. It was a real pleasure to hear about Katie's efforts to give her young teaching team opportunities and experiences within their careers. Let's find out what Katie has to say. Katie, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Thank you for inviting me. So, I've talked to a lot of her teachers recently. You're also a head teacher, and um, you're a head teacher in a Catholic school, so we've got that angle. So tell me everything um, from birth to now, why um, we should listen to you, you know, what kind of experience have you got? Okay, well, um, I'm a 70s child, just, and I mean just. Um, I went to two primary schools when I was little because my family moved um, house. So I was born in Bradford, went to first primary school in a market town Mm -hmm. and then moved to a village and went to a village school. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a non-Catholic primary school that I went to then. Then at the age of 11, um, because of my elder brother's antics, then my mum and dad decided that I should not go to the same um, secondary school that he'd gone to. Mm-hmm. And so instead I went to um, a school in York, which was a day school, but I was a weekly boarder there. Mm-hmm. So I stayed there for three years, mm-hmm. had great fun. Um, mm-hmm. But then at the age of 13, moved to an all girls secondary school um, and saw that through for my O levels, mm-hmm. which shows my age, yeah. and then my A levels as well. Yeah. Then I decided um, that I wanted to go to uni. As a child, I'd always wanted to be a teacher, played with my dolls and my teddies, like most will-be teachers did. Um, But then in my teenage years, I got an interest in maths Mm -hmm. and thought I wanted to be an accountant. So I said to my dad, I think I'd like to be an accountant. And my dad said, oh, no, we'd be bored, stupid. Um, Stick with your teaching. So I chose not to do a teaching degree. Mm -hmm. I chose to do a geography degree. Um, yeah. So I did that and then went and did my PGCE yeah, yeah. Um, and then from then on I became a classroom teacher, then at the age of 30 a deputy head and the age of 33 got my first headship. That's amazing, I mean being a head teacher at 33, like what, what was that even like? Um, 
it was okay actually. I think just because I'd gone through the process, I'd had the training, my MPQH, yeah. I'd had people supporting me um, all the way through as a class teacher and then becoming a middle leader and then into senior leadership. Um, it wasn't very daunting. The most daunting thing was that I moved from Bradford down to Cornwall for my first headship and right. had four years down there. So it wasn't at the same school? No. Which I suppose in some ways, well, it has its benefits, but then its drawbacks, doesn't it? So how did you find that the other staff treated you then, knowing that you were 33? Um, on my first day, I met when down in Cornwall, I met with all the staff individually to find out about them. And I do remember one of the senior leaders sitting them down and saying, so do you have children? And the answer was no. And she said, so are you going to have children? Is that why you've moved to Cornwall? So that you can have children down here because it's a lovely place to live. Mm. And I just said, I'm here to make a difference to the lives of the children in this school, in this mm. part of the country. And yeah. we got on like a house on fire from then on. Oh, good. So she thought that you'd gone down there as a head teacher to then go off on a maternity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She soon realised what I was there to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, it's good that it's good that he kind of pulled it round as well. Yeah. Um. Okay, so how do you think becoming a leader young has shaped your philosophy then? I think um, it's made me really think about the teachers that are coming into the career as new, newly qualified teachers, mm -hmm. thinking about what was in place when I was a newly qualified teacher, and then the development that I had, um, which I suppose was a little bit ad hoc really, mm -hmm. when I was a class teacher. And I, I suppose it shaped my philosophy and actually from those very first few years in early careers that actually as leaders we need to support mm -hmm. those teachers and give them the opportunities to develop leadership skills alongside developing the classroom skills as well. Yeah. It used to be, you know, you used, they used to say something like, oh, you've got to have, you know, five to seven years classroom experience before you can try have a go at leadership. Mm. Whereas for me, that's not how it should be at all. You know, you should be learning and developing those skills right from the start. Yeah, and I think sometimes they're completely forgotten, aren't they? You just you get a management job because you're already in the school and yeah. then you don't have any management experience at all and you're kind of just expected to know it and swim. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Okay, so what are your thoughts then on the new Ofsted framework? Okay, well, I haven't been under inspection in the new framework. I had two in the last year under the old framework. Um, the new framework just makes me a little bit concerned for middle leaders and class teachers mm. because I think the emphasis has moved certainly how it used to be you know as a head you were the only one involved in Ofsted you know you had all the meetings yeah. um, and maybe with your senior leadership team and now the focus really is on those middle leaders and leaders of the subjects mm. and they're not even core subjects you know they're the, they're the foundation subjects that they're doing deep dives on mm. um, so what I've really thought about at school is how to support um, the, the leaders of those subjects. So we've actually put a team around those leaders so that now, you know, they're working together, looking at the curriculum planning um, looking at um, evidence mm -hmm. so that when we actually come to Ofsted, if the inspectors will allow us, it won't just be one middle leader yeah. having to go through that process. You know, two or three will be able to to go together. So, how many how many staff have you got in your school then? Um, we've got the equivalent of ten and a half teachers, including myself. So we've got eight classes, including nursery. Mm -hmm. um, each has a full time teacher. Um, year six, I've got um, a, a, an assistant head, 
and a part-time teacher that share mm -hmm. that class. And then I've got a part-time teacher coming back from mat leave at Easter. So it's not that you're a big school then? No, it's, we're not. So is it that, you know, you might have a teacher who is um, a leader of a subject, but then also in a different team for a different subject? Yeah. So right, an okay. example would be my Senko. Um, so he's been with us for five years since he was an NQT. Mm -hmm. um, so he took on the Senko role a couple of years ago. And then this year, um, he's now joined um, the maths leader and a couple of other teachers as well, including an NQT to be part of the maths team. Right, I so see. So he's developing his pedagogy, but he's also developing leadership of another area and right. supporting the leader. Okay. So just talk to me about... Um like your recruitment of TAs, because obviously this is um, something that you do that's probably different to a lot of different uh, yeah. a lot of different head teachers. Yeah, yeah. We actively try and recruit graduates. Um, so for the last five six years in our adverts, we've actually put, you know, are you looking to become a teacher? Do you want classroom experience? Mm -hmm. We will support you with that, and we've been really successful in um, in recruiting um, mm -hmm. from across a wide field, really. So we've sent, I think, seven teachers, TAs, mm -hmm. on to do the teacher training. Mm -hmm. uh, last summer we sent two to be educational psychologists as well. Wow, yeah. So some, we've had a couple that have come through that have done um, their training in the foundation degree while they've been with us. Yeah. Um, or they've gone to night school and they've done, you know, TA mm -hmm. courses while they've been there and then gone off to do teacher training. Yeah. So there's lots of different avenues, I think, and I think that's really positive, yeah, yeah. you know, that people can choose which avenue they choose to go into teacher training. So if, if a teacher comes to you as a TA, um, do they go off somewhere else to, to do the teacher training or do they do that with you? Right, they do it through our Catholic Schools Partnership Teaching School Alliance. Right, okay. So for short, I'll call it CSP. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so as part of our Teaching School Alliance, then we train um, ITT students in conjunction with uh, Leeds Trinity University. Right, yeah. So all my teaching assistants have, oh, the bar one um, who wanted to go to a Leeds teaching school, all of them have gone through our CSP route for Schools yeah. Direct. So it's postgraduate yeah, yeah. degree um, and they, they again then have experience either in our school or in one of the 18 primary schools that are in CSP. So how, how many years experience do you expect them to have before they can go on to do the ITT? It varies, it's up to the teaching assistant. Mm -hmm. So we have some that have, I've had one that's been with us six months and then decided to go. Most probably stay about two years, yeah. get that experience, you know, have a go at teaching in the classroom, yeah. taking on a bit more responsibility. Um, and we, I've got one who she's been with us five years and she's still just undecided. Not sure, yeah. 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 Do you find that they make better teachers because they've got the experience beforehand? I wouldn't necessarily say they've got they make better teachers. Um, I think that you know all teachers these days I think are better trained whatever yeah, route yeah. they've taken. Mm. Um, so uh, currently we've got four um, ITT students. Mm -hmm. We've got one who's doing schools direct through CSP. I've got two that have come from a, um, a three-year graduate program at a university, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and another one who's doing. Again, he was through um, a different university, mm -hmm. and again undergraduates. So I think, you know, the experiences that you all bring uh, is really good. Yeah, and I guess it's just, it's not a bad thing, is it, to have had time in the classroom before no. you're kind of thrown in, especially when it's um, when it's ITT, it's like really full on, isn't it? It is, you need yeah. To, you need kind of experience beforehand. Um, okay then, so you take on um, TAs who, 
you know, wanting to progress to teaching. Mm -hmm. So during that time, then, do you feel like you give them maybe more experience or responsibility in the classroom than maybe, you know, an average TA around the country might get? Um, I can only speak for my school. So we've got teaching assistants who haven't got degrees and who don't want to do um, teaching, mm. um, but they also are offered opportunities um, within school to mm. take on responsibilities. Yeah. So, for example, I've got two who this year um, have partnered up and they're doing cover supervisor roles for two afternoons. Mm-hmm. Neither want to go into teacher training, yeah. but they, you know, they want to have the experience of doing yeah. more than they have been doing previously. Yeah. Good, good. Um, so you, so TAs come come in and they might then sort of do teacher training. Like, how do you afford to pay them all? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I suppose because um, my school is in an area of high deprivation. Yeah. So eighty five percent of our children live in the most deprived thirty yeah. percent wards in the country. Mm-hmm. So we we do get money through pupil premium, but like mm-hmm. all schools, our budgets are really tight. Yes. But because we're a school in deprivation in Bradford, then we've been able to access a number of grants. Mm -hmm. So through the Bradford's an opportunity area. Mm -hmm. So we've got a significant amount of money through that. Um, We've also done quite a lot of school to school support over the last three years, um, supporting other schools, which means that we we get money in school from that. So who, who delivers that then, the school? support um mixture so i do as a local leader of education an nle but also i have got a number of sle's specialist leaders of education but also we call them trainee sle's now so um teachers that are not badged as sle's yet um through the catholic schools partnership they don't have that designation however they're all high quality teachers so Mm. they've been paired up with teachers in the in the same year group and support in that way yeah Fascinating, really fascinating. Um, okay, so what's different then about working in a Catholic school? Because I remember, um, I and mean, we talked on the phone, I did my teacher training in Liverpool, mm-hmm. and um, there were so many teachers there from Northern Ireland, and yeah. I remember it being this massive thing about trying to get a job in a Catholic school. Um, and I never, yeah, they had to get a special certificate, actually. I remember they had to go to Saturday classes wow. to get this special <laughs> certificate to work in a Catholic school. But some of those were in Liverpool as well, yeah. whereas I was just like, I have no idea what that is. But obviously I was going yeah. back to Halifax. So, yeah. you know, what is it like? Right, there is a special certificate still, yes, but yeah. you don't have to have it to work in a Catholic right, okay, school. Okay. You don't have to be a Catholic to work in a Catholic school. You only have to be a practicing Catholic to be a deputy head or a head teacher of a Catholic school. Right, okay. So we're, we're quite diverse, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Having never taught in a non-Catholic school, mm-hmm. um, I can only speak about what a Catholic school's like. Mm-hmm. And I would say that they are places where we have the same values, mm-hmm. um, where everybody is cared for and loved for. Our whole ethos is based on, in our school, on our motto. Our motto is, I try to live like Jesus, I love, I forgive, I pray, come follow me, be the best that I can be. Mm-hmm. And we say that as our motto at every worship that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really underpins everything that our school is about. Yeah. I'm yeah. quite sure non-Catholic schools have the same values. Oh yeah, no they do. I'm just interested, that's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. um, but for us, as, as St Matthews, um, for me, a big part and for my staff is being a part of the Catholic Schools Partnership. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, over the last nine, ten years then as head teachers, 
from all 18 primary schools and then we've got two secondary schools as well yeah. we've come together and we have formed a really powerful collaboration um, that's formalized it's it's renowned now throughout mm. the diocese but it's also renowned throughout the country yeah. and the work that we've done um, collectively um, is is really powerful for people to come and join mm. so one of the big things that we've done is we've we've developed our own bespoke um, career pathway mm -hmm. career development pathway right from ITT so yep. starting with the schools right that direct right up to the MPQ H and then yep. some of us have even gone on and done our MPQEL as well yeah so when you join our partnership or join my school then you are guaranteed that you are going to have a bespoke training package every year so mm -hmm. as an NQT NQT plus one RQT You're thinking about the future aren't you yeah yeah, we're already, you know, we're already ahead of the game with the early career framework. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, so, I don't want to get into this now, but I'm just thinking, I wonder if I've taught in your school. I might have actually, but I'll talk to you about the specifics of where it is yeah. after. <laughs> um, okay. So I've got some questions from the team then. They always okay. think of difficult questions, <laughs> but good questions. I will try my best to answer. So Jade wants to know, what's the inspiration behind your approach to leadership? Because, you know, when we talked on the phone, you do have a different approach to leadership. Do you want to actually just tell us a little bit about what, what you feel that approach is before yeah. I get into this question? Um, for me, it's not about leadership top down. Mm -hmm. I think there are certain circumstances in schools where you do have to have top-down leadership so for example the school I went into that was inadequate yeah you know you had to as a head then go in and lead from the top yeah. but for me it's about distributed leadership mm -hmm. um, so a few years ago we had five NQTs at one point mm -hmm. um, and we had um, my deputy head then who was very experienced she was the English lead um, I had a maths lead again senior leader and for me, it was thinking about succession planning, mm -hmm. thinking how can we ensure that we haven't got this top layer that have got all the responsibility um, and the, not power, that's not the right word, but the responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got, you know, a large group of newly qualified and young teachers, inexperienced teachers, mm -hmm. um, you know, and how can we make sure that for the future we are developing these so we, we, at that point, we were linked up um, all our, when they were in the second year of teaching, as co-leaders, mm -hmm. working alongside the senior leaders. We're now, um, after a period of time, my deputy head retired at Christmas, mm -hmm. my assistant head, who was a maths leader, she got promoted. So, so it's a good job that you were thinking about it, that then. Yeah, so now we have teachers who are in their fifth year of teaching who are leading core subjects. Yeah. And yeah. that, I think, is not unique, but it's that's not normal picture, yeah. Um, you know, and then bringing in now into the team approach. So we've got the NQTs, although they're not allowed responsibility, they still want to be involved. Yeah. So they're working alongside, you know, the leaders as part of this this group. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. So with that in mind, then, so like you say, the the leadership is distributed. You know, what's the inspiration behind that approach to leadership, and how does it compare with a traditional kind of SLT structure? Okay, my inspiration would be that I was encouraged to develop when I was a class teacher. Mm -hmm. um, so I had the opportunity quite young, early on in my career, um, to put myself forward for what was the National Numeracy Project then, mm -hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but I got involved with that 
worked alongside um, the maths leader who was due to retire mm -hmm. and then when she did retire the year after then I, I took that on with another colleague. Mm. So unbeknown to me at that point I wasn't thinking you know well when I'm a leader if I get to be ahead this is what I'll do. Mm. It's kind of just evolved and that's how it's evolved with me I suppose. Um, you know it wasn't a blueprint from when I was a teacher of this is what I will do. And, and also I think you know having those opportunities probably made that possibility for you to become a head teacher at 33 mm. you know much earlier yes. as well yeah so you're kind of giving that opportunity to other other teachers as well which i, hope so. I love that <laughs> i love that um okay what are the pros and cons to this then this kind of leadership okay i think the pros are that as a head you're getting the classroom experience you know, it's a long time since I've taught. Now I've been ahead for 15 years. Yeah. You know, and the thought of actually going in and teaching a lesson that scares me. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I go to the training, the staff meetings, but my my teachers are far more skilled than I am. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I need to use their experience. You yeah. know, use their knowledge and their skills mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. to help keep improving our school. Yeah. I think the cons probably are. Um, there's a danger, I think, that if if you've got a teacher who is maybe struggling, mm -hmm. um, you know, a teacher who just needs a bit more input on the teaching side of things, you know, that if you are giving them then that extra responsibility of leadership, there's a danger, I suppose, that they could think leave that teaching because actually the leadership bit's more interesting yeah. or kind of where I want to be. And actually, your classroom practice comes first. Yes. So I think there is yeah. that danger. And but as a head, you have to kind of you weigh that up and you work through your performance management. You work with them, you know, on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, it, to make it, sure that doesn't happen. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you can feel like you're doing two jobs. Yes. I certainly feel that, and I know members of my team feel that when they've got to do half kind of leading and half doing. Yes. It's very difficult to do the two things together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Jack says, have you, so topical, um, I hope this isn't going to be too long going out. Um, so we're kind of waiting, we're in a waiting phase, aren't we, about the coronavirus. We are. Our, our school's going to close. So he says, have you received much support and guidance from the local authority regarding the safety of children around the coronavirus outbreak? We have actually. Um, Bradford Council have got an online um system called Bradford Schools Online. Yeah. So every day they are sending the DFE updates. Um, I'm also logged onto the DFE as well, so mm -hmm. get the, them direct from the DFE yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So I think it's really good because I think there's a danger that you just can sometimes just get into your work life, don't you? And you yeah, forget yeah. what's going on out there. Yeah. And if you're not home early, don't see the news. Mm -hmm. um, whereas actually the guidance that's coming through the DFE, DFE has really kind of made me think. So last night at staff meeting, we just took 10, 15 minutes to talk around starting to think about what we would do you know if schools were closed yeah so what teacher teachers work would look like and uh, what teaching assistants would be able to practically do at home yeah, yeah and what resources they'd need to take home yeah, with yeah. them 
and then more importantly thinking about the children yeah you know if we're closed for three or four weeks we we need children to keep learning yeah um you know we want parents to be supported we don't want to send them home with nothing yes. but we equally don't want to send them home with piles of worksheets this is it, yeah. um you know so yeah. we're, we're working around thinking about kind of doing project work with them using online resources like the ones that you're hopefully going to produce yeah yeah um, you know and looking at ways of how children can access learning um from home yeah. for, for quite what could be quite a period of yeah. time really and i think it's really worrying for parents you know we're having this conversation before like yes i've you know i've taught secondary i've taught primary but oh my word the thought of like teaching a three-year-old <laughs> now i'm thinking oh my word and i'm thinking of all the continuous provision things i could do where i don't kind of have to do it i just have to set yeah. it up yeah um because you know she can write a name but she she's three she don't want to do no. worksheets and things that I don't want to force to do it and it's it's a very stressful time um so yeah we are we are um we've got classroom secrets kids it's free right now and and we're banging a load of resources yeah. on because I just think parents in particular need that support but but as a teacher you're going to want to know that the children can do yeah do something that they actually want to do yes because yeah. um, it's not one day a snow day, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> no, and, it, and it's and it's frightening, like with the um, with the exams coming up as well. Okay, so Sarah says, what are the benefits and challenges of working with partnership schools? Okay, the benefits are huge, really, really huge for teachers, teaching assistants, leaders. Um, just in terms of professional development, um, you know, without working in a partnership as we have done, I don't think that my staff, myself, would have developed at the pace that we have developed. Do you feel like it's a bit like a mat? It is, yes. Yeah. yeah. And eventually in the next 12, mo 12 months, then we will form a mat. Right, okay. Yeah, I so see. some of the schools in our partnership are already converted into the mat. Right. And there's another group going at the beginning of May, and then the rest will go over the next few months. Ah, right. So I it will be formalised as a mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what kind of support do you get then? Um, well, I, I lead <laughs> quite yeah. a bit of it. Um, so I, I lead the NQT program, mm -hmm. um, you know, and work with other another colleague, so the director of the teaching school, to, to run that and bespoke. So we're there mm -hmm. for teachers. But we do something called health checks, nothing to do with coronavirus. Yeah. Okay. So they're like peer reviews in yeah. in each in each school. Mm -hmm. So I work alongside another three schools, and every term we go and we do. Um, at, at the health check so we look at different aspects of their self-evaluation yeah. school improvement plan but it isn't just the head teachers that's how we've developed it mm. governors are involved yeah. other senior leaders are involved in that so they're they're getting really good professional mm. development from that but we also have subject leaders working together regularly um, either in peer groups so the small the 18 schools that are grouped into three groups mm -hmm. so they either work as peer groups or they come together um, right across the partnership and do work so yeah. we buy in external consultants who we know are high quality yeah, yeah. Um, so i think for example laura lodge i think who All you've right, interviewed yeah, previously yeah. she works I was with us you're going to mention somebody that's been on my podcast uh, yeah laura <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we make sure that we have high quality consultants working with us yeah, yeah. Um, you know and the development i think right across from nqts right through to heads and executive heads it wouldn't have happened at the pace and the quality without being in a partnership yeah you need you need to share experience you don't do you? Yeah. yeah that's one of the things that i say to the team really you know 
just be happy to share your mistakes yes. as such because it's not about that it's just about moving on what we don't want is six people to make the same mistake no we we're, it's okay for it to happen but let's all learn from that one and then we'll all learn from yours and you can all learn from all of mine yeah you know and that yeah, that's great um so so Lindsay wants to know then um why do you think your approach works better than the traditional um kind of structure in schools I don't know whether it works better. It works for me. It works for my staff. It works for the staff that have worked with me over the last, you know, 10 years. Do the other partnership schools then do the same kind of leadership or is it different? Each school is different and individual. So mm -hmm. some schools have co-leaders, yeah. uh, particularly where you've got lots of new to the career teachers. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's really um, valuable. Mm -hmm. Others have um, a, a bigger senior leadership group. Mm -hmm. Some have a structure. A number of our schools now have an executive head, yeah. heads of schools and assistant heads. Yeah. So they've got different structures as well. So mm -hmm. we're, all, we're all a bit different, I suppose. But for me, it yeah. works and it has worked. And I think it's... Again, as a, as a leader in the profession, I think it's really important that we invest, you know, right from day one, mm. because these, you know, these teachers who are new to the profession, they are our future leaders at the yes. end of the day. Yes. You know, they'll be sitting here talking to you <laughs> when I'm retired. How exciting. <laughs> you can send them now if you want. Yeah, I'm always, deep dives, I want to do some on deep dives. So. Do you? <laughs> yeah. So as soon as you get your offset. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So how do you train your SLT then? Okay, a number of ways. Um, I mean, we're just in the, mo in the process, I suppose, of, ch of changing. I'm interviewing for a deputy head next week. Mm -hmm. um, so we meet as SLG, and if I give you the experience over the last few years, because we've gone from having seven on the senior leadership group to yeah. it's a smaller number at the moment, just because of circumstances. Mm -hmm. So we don't meet as a senior leadership group that often because we tend to meet as a staff yeah um, a full staff because you've got the people who are not on slg who have got key responsibilities in yeah, school yeah. um so they go on training so most of my staff now have done the mpqml right. and mpqsl mm -hmm. so we've done that through the catholic schools partnership <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is good if they're coming to you i guess as well it is yeah and they get um you know they get real quality high quality training through the mpqs and at the end of the day they've got a national qualification yeah, yeah. with it so that's one way through the training and the other way is through working um with the peer groups mm -hmm. um you know so that we're involved in senior leaders now so my current acting deputy has been involved in health checks at other schools mm -hmm. as well as ours yeah so they're gaining that experience um you know not just from in our school but yeah. working across different schools as well it is important to, to visit a lot of schools, I think. It is, yeah. That's one thing um, that I really appreciated that I had because I, I did supply in a lot of different schools. Did you? Yeah. And I think when it came to sort of starting Classroom Secrets, I didn't sort of just have my own point of view from my own yeah. one school. I, I could see sort of the bigger picture. And I do think, um, you know, when we have people come to us who have done supply, I really appreciate the experience that they're then bringing um, because they can think of it in different ways. Yeah. You know, I think so many schools you think they're the same don't you but they're, they're like not. Oh, they're like different countries <laughs> yes they are each school is individual yeah different different cultures haven't they um okay so as a head teacher then so this one's from jack um do you find yourself in conflict between the demands of the staff and then the demands of the government i'd probably say no <laughs> um which is maybe a surprise to you but but good though yeah i mean 
I suppose because I've been ahead for 15 years, you know, I've been through different offset frameworks, um, you know, different ways of working. You know that the you know the looking for of Ofsted changes, but also in terms of the data. You know we've changed from um, from the you know the levels and sub levels to now we've got age related. Yeah. You know the early years frameworks changed and it's changing again in yeah. September. Um, you know it is constantly changing, mm -hmm. and I don't actually think it's a bad thing. I think they haven't quite got it right. Yeah. Um, is what I would say. But I think change is good because yeah. I think otherwise people can get stuck. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think they've got it right at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it needs tweaks and changes, definitely. Um, there's a, uh, at the moment, there's a call to halt Ofsted. Um, I don't agree with that, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that we just need to be able to have people that can work with DFE um, and Ofsted to actually shape what it looks like in the future. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. I do think um, somebody said once, and I've mentioned it on a few podcasts, that if an Ofsted inspector came in and then if they graded the school, I mean, I know it's not grading now, but if there were things to work on, they had to work with the school to improve that. Yeah. Maybe it would be a different story. Yeah. Um, and I thought that's a really good idea, actually. Yes. You know, yes, yeah. you're going into a school to judge it, but then you also have to work with them to get them to the point yeah where... the HMIs we used to do that HMIs yeah, yeah. that was their role but unfortunately there's not enough funding for that to happen anymore no. and it is a shame really yeah. but equally I suppose that's where your NLE and your LLE work comes in yeah you know yeah. Uh, you've got the broader system leadership yeah. there and that's probably the role that they fulfill yeah yeah thank you okay so if you could wave a magic wand to solve the life work balance problem what would you do have more time be able to give um, teachers more time, not necessarily to do a carte blanche, you know, your PPA for everybody is increased to, you know, one day a week. But I think to be able to say, actually, when there's a need and when workload is hard, so when you're doing data drops and things like that, the, you know, those times when there, there is pressure, yeah. to be able to release staff to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's funding. Yeah. Um, is an issue for that yeah yeah time and funding they're they're the key ones um yeah. where do you think education is going to go in the next 10 years <laughs> goodness knows <laughs> <laughs> um i think there's so much going on at the moment um you know we've got the teaching school hubs mm -hmm. that's new um you know bradford is is looking to be one of the test and learn areas so mm -hmm. we've got a new teaching hub um, there so the teaching schools that's going to change in the next kind of couple of years um, I know at the moment they're looking at um, NLEs and looking at you know recruiting the next group of NLEs mm -hmm. but going through a recruitment process is a bit more rigorous than perhaps the last one was yeah and really you know the accountability I think will be ranked up for them yeah. um, and I think that I think the shift from perhaps Ofsted and the HMIs to that system leadership, you know, and, and having executive heads and NLEs, yeah. um, I think is going to going to change quite dramatically. Mm -hmm. I also think looking at kind of the movement towards mats, mm -hmm. um, that seems to have slowed down in some sectors and sp sped up in others. Yeah. So I think that again is it's unknown. The, yeah. I would say the yeah, future yeah, yeah. is very unknown, <laughs> very unclear. Um, on one hand, I think how exciting, and then on the other hand, I think how daunting. Yeah, everyone um, gets daunted by that question. Yeah. It's like, what, you want me to predict it? <laughs> yeah. 
can't. <laughs> no, it's just your thoughts, really, yeah. and what you think is going to happen. Okay, last question then, because you've already told me what you wanted to be. Um, but who was your favourite teacher at school and why? Okay, well, I've told you I went to four different schools, so it's quite hard um, to pick out. But I would say, I'm going to go with my issue as the head teacher of the village primary school that I went to. Um, I can't really, she was called Miss Wilson, and then she got married, which was a huge surprise to us all, mm-hmm. um, because you didn't think she was the Marion type. Yeah. Um, remember, this was the 1970s, so she was very straight-laced. She yeah. got married and she was called Miss Stanley, Mrs. Stanley. Um, because we were a village school, then the local post office and shop was not very far away, and she gave me my first... I suppose leadership opportunity mm-hmm. so I was allowed to go to the shop with choose a friend to go with and go and buy her stamps and post her letters for her which is just something that you couldn't do at no, all these no, days no absolutely you can't make this stuff up can you no <laughs> I'd be sacked for doing that now can you imagine oh I've lost two children <laughs> I don't know where they are no. maybe at the shop <laughs> yeah but it's all right because um, they were doing a bit of practical maths. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Spending money and buying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. And um, having a lovely little chat. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. More and more, we are seeing that schools are working together in partnership across the nation to give children the very best by learning from each other and sharing best practice. I'm interested to see if we can develop this in a time where we need support from each other more than ever, but perhaps in a more remote way to avoid social contact as much as possible. It's clear that working collaboratively is really important in allowing schools to do big things, like develop so many TAs into teachers through our partnership. I, for one, was really impressed that every teacher has a bespoke career development pathway. I imagine that makes them feel really valued and like they're moving towards a goal. You'll find everything that Katie and I talked about in the show notes. And if you got any value from this episode, or any of our other episodes, I'd really appreciate it if you would share it with your teacher friends. The more we grow the podcast, the more we'll be able to serve you with more knowledgeable and even more high-profile guests. This episode is also live on YouTube, so you can subscribe to that channel and watch it there. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.